Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first official episode of Season 3 of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with my friend and co-host, Steve. Steve, how are we doing today? I'm super, super excited to get these previews going going off the bat. Uh, we feel like it's funny because we, we do these previews in order from worst team to best team, so... You know, the, the first teams that we're going to talk about are don't necessarily get me super excited, but nonetheless, it's good that basketball season's on the horizon and we have fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, just kind of some overall thoughts before we start diving into teams, I guess, is this is going to be a very interesting year for the Big Ten. I think I think the collective uh, opinion of this conference this year is that there's kind of a two team a, a tier and then there's a wide open B tier and then there's kind of an F tier. So it's. It's good. There are going to be a lot of very interesting games. I think this we're going to see a lot of teams kind of chewing each other up and spitting each other out throughout the course of conference season, you know, as we get through winter. Um, but I think there's a lot of really interesting things uh, in storylines um, that, we're, that we're going to be able to kind of talk through as, as we go through these teams. Definitely agree. So as we're about to dive in, maybe do you want to take everyone through the, the ground rules that we've set for ourselves? Yes, our our very serious and scientific preseason poll. So this first episode uh, is going to be teams that we have picked to finish 14th through 8th in the, this upcoming season in conference play. Uh, and then we will get next week uh, on Monday, we'll be dropping uh, teams 7 through 1. And then uh, we'll be doing all conference predictions, player of the year, freshman of the year, things of that nature. Uh, that, that episode will drop right before the season starts on November 6th. Uh, so Steve and I basically just filled out a predict, uh, poll for for each of us uh, for each team, uh, and that would correspond with a number of points, and then we're doing it in reverse order. So team that has the least amount of points will be up first, and I think there's no better segue, um, I can tell I'm already in midseason form with the segues, uh, than jumping into our first team. And so in 14th place projected, uh, we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers, which is the 14 pick for both me and Steve. Led by Ben Johnson, coming on the heels of a 9-22 and year and losing almost everyone of consequence on their roster to be filled with Cam Christie and kind of a bunch of guys. Um, I, I mean, things are not good in Minneapolis. I think that's obvious. Um, do we think Ben Johnson is the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers at this time next year? Um, well, okay. First off, before I go into that, I think one other ground rule that we'll just tell everyone, we're going to try to limit this to four to four and a half minutes a team, just so we don't have to spend 10 minutes talking about the the Gophers. Not a, not a shot at any Gopher fan that listens, but I just, I don't think we need to do that. You, you know, that, that basketball program in Minneapolis is just in such shambles that I don't know that anybody you know, could could turn it around the the way things are set up right now. I think we've seen maybe like one to two game stretches over the course of the last two years where um, there's been some promise, but just from a roster construction standpoint, I mean, there just isn't enough talent, especially to compete with a lot of the other programs in the conference that have been consistent for the last decade or so. I mean, I think it's a, it's a bit, it was a big loss for them to lose Jamison battle to the transfer portal. Um, you know, let alone the transfer portal, but to another Big Ten rival. And, and, you know, Dawson Carcio, you know, will, will probably still be the the best player on this team. Um, Ola Joseph, I think it's a unique, um, kind of unique role player. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically a bunch of guys that I think are fringe power five guys. 
um, at best. So I, I think they're going to be in the cellar again this year. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're a program like Minnesota that hasn't had sustained success for a while, you really need to recruit well and keep those guys around. Um, and I, I mean, I'm looking at this roster right now and I'm, I'm not really seeing many guys that they've actually developed on their own. Um, and you, you look at a lot of other programs in the big 10 that aren't, you know, pulling in big time transfers. Um, but even you, cause you know, Dawson Garcia is a transfer. Jamison battle was a transfer. You know, the guys that have kind of put up numbers for them have been transfers. And I, I mean, I think you said it best where, you know, Dawson Garcia, he's going to have to play at a first team, all conference level. This team even wants to be somewhat regionally relevant, um, and I just, you know, Ben Johnson hasn't recruited the state of Minnesota well enough. And I, I think that, you know, that's going to come home to roost, uh, as we get later on into this season. Yeah. I, I think maybe just the last point with him. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that like he deserves to keep his job just because of how bad they've been, but you know, if they fire him, they're not like, it's not like they're going to be in a materially better position at the end of next year than if they, they just kind of keep him and, and try to keep building on what he's already, I mean, not that he's built much there, but, you know, at least he's a local guy in there, you know, he's trying to establish roster continuity. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I were betting, I, I, I'd actually probably say he sticks around another year just because I don't know if it's worth it to just completely pull the trigger when like they're just going to be in the same place and still looking at three to five years before they're relevant again. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I think, yeah, he just kind of got a handed a, a empty, an empty cabinet uh, when he took over from Richard Pitino. And uh, it's it's not like you said, you really have to be deliberate with firing coaches nowadays uh, to see when you're considering next options. Uh, but as a positive, like I think Cam Christie is a very good player, um, brother of Max Christie from Michigan State from a couple of years ago out of Illinois. Um, and he's got he's got talent. And I think that, um, you know, he could be pretty good. He's just they need him right now. And uh, it's always hard for freshmen to kind of make an impact like that, unless they're really, really top level talent. I think we can move on now. So team number 13, uh, we had, and I believe we both had them pretty, pretty low. Um, yeah. So it was, this is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, and I think, I know what you're thinking. It's, you know, I was kind of in this model of like high scoring offensive consistency um, that, and that's enough to win games in the big 10, which is, which can be true. Um, however, when they've been kind of nationally relevant recently, they've had NBA level talent, whether that was Luca Garza or either of the Murray's. And, uh, those are, those guys aren't, aren't walking in the door. Um, and you lose Chris Murray to the NBA, you lose Philip Abracha, you lose Aaron Uless. Uh, and you're, you, I think the big question is who's, who's the guy on this team? I think, you know, is it Tony Perkins and is that enough to win games in, in the big 10? So I, I rank these guys 13 as well, but I don't know that I actually have a, a pessim, as pessimistic of an outlook on them as, as you just laid out there. So yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things that we may have to talk about just before we talk about the specifics of Iowa. So I think the bottom of the Big Ten get, is going to be a lot better this year than it was over the last couple of years. I think the top of the Big Ten is going to be a lot better too, and the middle is going to be no less crowded because the, the bottom's getting a little bit better. Iowa's typically been one of those teams that's that's been in the middle, but I think they're gonna you know they're gonna be a victim of kind of what you said, lack lack of star power. But I I I actually think they have a pretty solid team. Um you know you mentioned kind of Tony Perkins a returning starter. 
Um, Patrick McCaffrey will be there. Um, they'll have two Sanforts on the team this year, the the older of which um, I think had a, had a pretty good year last year. And they uh, they did retool with an intriguing, you know, center prospect from from Valpo, who you know almost averaged 20 points a game, be that in a in a mid-major. But, um, it, you know, they they had success last year with Bracha in um, taking a center from a kind of a lower major school. So I, I think they can put together a solid team. I think the biggest issue is the lack of star power, which, you know, they've had over the last couple of years um, and, and won't necessarily have this year. Um, it, it's weird to say this about McCaffrey because he, he's not a coach. Like he's not the coach that comes to mind when you think of consistency, but they've been shockingly consistent just in terms of putting together solid teams over the last decade that he's been there. I, I just I don't think they have enough to compete with the punches that some of the other teams are, are going to throw at them. And that's why I have them really, really low on my list. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Ben Cricky out of uh, Valparaiso. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he's going to really need to to shore up the inside because I they're, they're losing pretty much all of their front court depth from last year. And they weren't a particularly deep team to begin with. Um but yeah, I think I think Peyton and Price Sanford are guy like Peyton specifically is going to need to take a jump and and kind of be more consistent. He he definitely had his flashes last year, um, so more consistent obviously would help this team a lot. And then Price Sanford as the high, as the highest rated recruit uh, is going to kind of be expected to uh, step in right away, I would assume. And then just the the last thing with Iowa is that I mean they never play defense. They they have never established an identity on the defensive end beyond give up a bunch of points and hope we can outscore them. And I think that the, I mean, it, it's hard to get there. Ranked 186th in defense last year on Ken Palm, uh, which is shockingly bad even for them. Um, so, you know, it can't get much worse. Um, but I I think I'm not seeing enough on the offensive end to make up for, you know, the lack uh, or the, the offense they had last year. So that's why I am I am not as high on Iowa this year, um, although I think, you know, they're building up some some decent recruiting talent. And if that stays home, you know, we're going to have a different conversation as early as next year. So moving on to 12, uh, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, coached by former VCU coach Mike Rhodes, who will look to bring a very different identity than what we saw out of the, the two Micah Shrewsbury coached teams in uh, the la- over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Rhodes has, has a reputation as those teams, his teams have a reputation playing super hard-nosed defense and kind of doing enough on the offensive end to win games. I believe everyone on the team is new. Uh, I'm, I think they had all 12 like scholarship players transferred out or graduated. Um, so it's going to be a very piecemeal team. Um, but I think that Rhodes is a solid coach uh, and, and the Big Ten's about to learn that. And he, the guys he's bringing in are, are interesting enough. I mean, they're not there's not going to be depth, but. You know, you're talking Ace Baldwin, who who is, uh, you know, uh, an all-conference guy in the A-10. Um, you've got two UNC transfers into Marco Dunn and Puff Johnson. And Kudus Wahab somehow still has eligibility. I, I think this is his fifth college team, if you include both stops at Georgetown. So, I mean, he's got experience and size and, and knows kind of the ropes of the Big Ten from his year at Maryland. Um, I guess it's just... I. How long is this team going to take to gel, I think, is the first question you have to ask before kind of figuring out how they fit within the the Big Ten landscape. And and I think you're right on point with that question. Yeah, there are several teams this year in the Big Ten that are returning a lot of experience. And I think that lack of experience at the beginning is really going to hamper Penn State. I think Ace Baldwin has a has the potential to be a fringe 
a fringe all-conference player. I think the point guard position is really, really deep in the Big Ten this year, and so he he might not be able to crack it just be because of that. But I think he's going to be a really, really nice player. Um, and yeah, I I chuckle at you know Kudiswuhab getting a second stint in the in the conference um, too. But um, you know he's he's a, he's a big body down there, and there's no doubt that you know, this is sort of year one of, of microbes. He's, he's just, he's really piecing together the team. I think he's got more talent than say a Minnesota. So they're, they're you know, they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to play tough. Um, you know, he's a solid coach and he's uh, proven that he could win and, and he's got some talent on there, but I just, I think the lack of roster continuity um, and him sort of learning the ropes as a um, kind of new coach to the conference. I, I yeah, I, I don't see it, it going, going super well. But um, I think Ace Baldwin's a really, really nice player. And I think that, you know, he's he's if you if, if any of you are looking for a reason to watch Penn State at all this year, it's it's going to be because of him. Yeah, I, I agree. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. And I think, you know, as we've talked about on this show over the past two years, like guard play is so important in this conference. Um, and, you know, you can you can if, if Penn State wins eight, eight or nine conference games, like I wouldn't be super surprised, like. It's always it always gets weird in the Bryce Jordan Center like already, and I I think I personally think Rhodes' defensive system is is going to transfer over. Um, and you know, assuming he gets buy-in from these guys, they're they are going to be super not fun to play. Uh, if you're an opposing Big Ten team, um, but yeah, I think like you said, it's the start of something in in Happy Valley, but uh, it might take a couple years for that to bear fruit, which is fine. Penn State is just happy to have a reputable basketball coach on the sidelines. On uh, this would be team number 11, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, led by Fred Hoiberg. It's it's interesting. I think, and I think I, I, I the first question I want to pose with you before we kind of get into the players is is what is Hoiberg's leash in in Nebraska? Like, do we think like is it a you might you need to make the NIT this year or you're fired, or is it more of a um just kind of show consistent progress. Is there like a benchmark, do you think, or is he pretty safe given the fact that like we talked about with Minnesota, like he's a guy that wants to be coaching in Lincoln and is, you can sort of see the idea behind what he's doing. Yeah. I, I, I would tend to answer that, you know, he's, he's pretty safe barring like a three and 17 year in conference, you know, they, they went nine and 11 in the big 10 last year. And, you know, in, in what was a, a pretty, I guess a, a solid conference in, in the middle, you know, tough, tough to get nine, nine wins in the conference and not be a good basketball team. So yeah, I, I think that they, they moved in the right direction last year, even after kind of a rocky start to the season. Um, and, you know, they, you know, they, they, they lose some talent, you know, they're going to kind of have to see if, if they retooled correctly, but Tomonaga is a, a, a really nice player. It was a pretty, I don't know what the word is, but like Swifty to uh, snag Aaron Euless from Iowa. Yeah, you know, I I think that they honestly, like their identity just seemed really similar to a lot of the other kind of solid programs in the conference where they figured it out on defense. You know, they could run when they needed. They It was it, it got really, really tough for teams to go in and, and win there in Lincoln. And if they can kind of piggyback off of that and, do the same thing this year. I think they're going to have a lot better overall record and uh, maybe not contend for the NCAA tournament, but probably be a solid NIT team. 
Um, you know, and they'll be around the 500 mark and conference probably, you know, two to three games below it. Um, and I, I think that's probably enough for Hoiberg to, to keep his job because I think anything more than that is, is pretty unrealistic for this team, given just how the rest of the conference is shaping up. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's an excellent way to put it. Um, so, yeah, I think and thank you to uh, listener, listener Taylor for that question. Uh, we appreciate all of the people that submitted questions. Um, and I think, yeah, you kind of so you mentioned Tominaga, who like really came on strong at the end of the year, kind of starting where he when he spearheaded that comeback against Wisconsin. Um, and I mean, that dude just he plays his heart out. He's not well. He's not afraid, afraid of the moment. Um, and he's he's hit a ton of big shots. And I think if he can build on that a little bit while being, you know, expanding his offensive game a little bit. I think he's, he's second, third team, all conferences is definitely uh, in reach. Um, I think the one thing is, uh, you know, the high school recruiting scene just seems to have been not abandoned, but like it's, it's, it's uh, pretty barren. Uh, they've got w- one top 200 kid coming in. And then as he did in Iowa at Iowa state, Hoiberg's really resorting to the transfer portal uh, to, to, you know, get some mid-major talent. And I, I you know, I, I, Aaron Ulyss is obviously high major talent um, coming in from Iowa and he'll bring a very good, like game manager sort of, you know, toughness vibes. Um, you know, he's, he's going to, he's going to set the tone for that team and allow Toby Naga to play more off the ball. Uh, Bryce Williams scored 19 a game at Charlotte and rink Most is really interesting. I, I got to catch a couple some, you know, his game uh, against Wisconsin last year. And, um, uh, you know, he's he's an outside. He's a shooter for sure, like a stretch big, but uh, is not afraid to kind of mix it up underneath. And, you know, I think I think losing Derek Walker, who was like the heart and soul of this team for for so long, uh, you, you need an infusion of toughness in the middle. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for, even if he's not the biggest guy out there. But I think, yeah, you know, Hoiberg is constantly kind of in this thing of having to retool just because, you know, he gets Griselle for a year. Griselle's gone and, you know, he's going to get. Rinkmast and and Bryce Williams and they're going to be gone. So it's it's a dangerous game to be playing, but he seems to be kind of cutting the line pretty well. All right. Uh, so our tenth team in order of prediction is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, helmed by Steve Peichel. Um, you know, and the the vision with Peichel is very clear. He's building his program through toughness and defense, and kind of hoping they get enough production on the offensive end to you know, eke out a lot of close games. They play so many close games. They're very hard to beat at home and they usually can, can somewhat take care of business. So, you know, it's, it's a good program. Obviously he's elevated it out of the dumpster, uh, you know, over his tenure there. Um, but I think this year is going to be a tough one. Um, you're losing your three best players. Basically you're losing Cam Spencer or not your three best players. You're losing three of your four best players. Uh, Cam Spencer, Paul Mulcahy, and Caleb McConnell. So you lose your defensive identity, you lose your best shooter, and you're really looking at, you know, Cliff Omarui to make a big impact. I mean, he's already a, a very, very good player, um, but he's going to need to do a little bit more, especially on the offensive end of this year. And you're looking at Derek Simpson, who played really well down the stretch uh, last year to, to kind of take a jump and be a consistent uh, offensive threat for the whole season, which, you know, the, by the way, he played last year when he was still not a primary option on this team. I, I see no reason he can't keep getting better. But besides that, I mean, where where's the scoring coming from on this team this year? Fair question. I'd argue that a lot of those guys that you um, mentioned, with the exception of Spencer, who are leaving, didn't provide much in the scoring department anyway. 
Um, but you know, the, the one thing that I also wanted to kind of highlight is, you know, they, they do have two kind of semi rollish wings, um, you know, come coming back who have some experience with the program, you know, Andre Hyatt and Mawat Mag, uh, they're, they're not going to be guys that are going to be necessarily have the ball in their hand at the end of games and making big shots. But I, I do think they're, they're nice role players that I, I believe they're both okay. K three point shooters. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but I I think the upside on this team, as you mentioned, kind of starts and ends with Derek Simpson. And I personally love him as a um, kind of as a as a future star in the conference. I know he only you know, he he didn't really get much playing time yet uh, last year until the second half of the year. But I mean he he looked like he belonged. Um, he moves really well out there, can play both sides of the ball, great finisher at the hoop. And I think I, I'd, I'd tag him as, as one of the I think, most likely guys in this conference to take a, a really big sophomore jump. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing him kind of replace uh, Mulcahy as Spencer as a guy who's going to be their primary scorer. Um, but yeah, I, I think, the, as you mentioned, they're really important Thing to note with these guys is they they don't do it with scoring they do it with with defense um i know they're losing three of their top defenders but you know amari is a probably top three candidate for defense player in the year in the conference anyway um i think simpson's going to be a good uh, defender at the guard position too and curious to see how you know hyatt and um mag with their athleticism handle themselves on the perimeter i think they've got the the pieces in place to still um, kind of hang punch for punch defensively with the rest of the conference. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's good to know that uh, Mag is, is recovered nicely from his ACL tear. Um, and I think another name to just kind of keep in the back of your mind is Gavin Griffiths, who's a, a top, top 70 recruit that I think, you know, they're going to, they're going to need him this year. And I think, you know, kind of being able to bring him off the bench is, is a nice luxury because he, he'll have some time to get acclimated to, uh, the college game. Um, but yeah, I think, I think interesting year for Rutgers. I know, um, Pykele's going to keep them in a lot of close games and it. They will again, also be a team that is super not fun to play. Well, and, and I think just as a reminder for everyone, before we move on, you know, they, they should have made the tournament last year and we're, we're probably the snub of, of the country when it came to kind of not, not getting in. Um, they, they had a really, really rough start to their year last year. And that, that probably was why they didn't get in, but I think a lot of people out there, you know, are not happy about that. And so I think just culturally, it'll be interesting to see how they they respond to that, too. You know, they they feel like they were done wrong last year. Um, so we'll see. Um, I know I know it's a lot of folks that, you know, have left the team and everything, but we'll see how they respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um all right, so moving on to team number nine, right? Yes, nine. I can still count backwards. Um, this is the team that Steve and I had the biggest disagreement on in terms of our projected standings. I believe Steve had them at seven, and I had them at 11, 10. Uh, 10. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how this, this preview goes. Um, the Michigan Wolverines... Uh, led by Juwan Howard, who obviously this podcast hopes is doing well as he recovers from heart surgery, I believe. Um, so last year, uh, obviously, you know, you, you had an All-American and two lottery picks, didn't make the tournament, and now you lose all of those guys. Uh, and 
the reinforcements Michigan brings in are are not of the same caliber. Um, so especially when you combine that with only only one freshman coming in this year. Um, but so you've got Olivier uh, Kamwa from Tennessee. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Namari Burnett from Alabama and then Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. None of those guys have really kind of been the guy uh, or, you know, I mean, Nakam was the closest guy, but he still was a, you know, 10, 11 point guy for most of the season. He he had a really, a couple of really good games in the tournament and there's a lot of reason to be excited about him. And Burnett's a, a you know, going to be a really good defender in this league. Um, but I think you need, if you're Michigan, you need Doug McDaniel, you need Terrace Reed to take a big step. McDaniel kind of got thrust into the role of starting point guard when Jalen Llewellyn went down last year and Llewellyn's back, which is good. And McDaniel had, a, was very effective. I think he, he really came on offensively. He's, he's a very good defender despite being a little undersized. Um, and Terrace Reed is an, is an amazing defender also, but has a limited offensive game. So I guess, it, you know, what's, who's the guy on this team? Yeah. So before I answer that, I think, you know, now that we're into sort of the the ninth place and above teams, you know, we're we're likely, you know, talking about tournament teams or, you know, bubble teams, at least for for these next few teams here, just given the improvement to the middle of the conference and given the Big Ten's track record of getting, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten teams even a, a year in some years, you know, this is now you know, we're moving from, I think, teams that um, are, are probably going to have uh, a lot in their way in terms of getting the tournament to teams that are, you know, on the fringe pretty close or, or likely in, at least for these next few teams here. I think with Michigan, um, what separates them from the teams that we've been talking about to this point, I, I think, is is the the, the quality of the programs that the transfers have been coming in from. Um, I think I hear you on your point that they um, haven't necessarily been uh, major contributors, but um, you know, I think they're getting three quality role players in, in Conway and, and in Namari uh, Burnett and Trey Jackson, who are all from, you know, high major basketball programs, even if they haven't been, you know, the guy. And I don't think the expectation is that any, one of these guys is going to be the guy unless kind of Conway reaches his uh, ceiling. But I, I think when you look at it, it is kind of an odd collection of pieces. When you look at those three guys, you look at Llewellyn coming back, you look at a guy like Terrence Williams, you know, still kind of who's, who's still there and around and contributed at past. It, it's, it's not an explosive offensive team, but I think it's going to be a much improved defensive team um, from prior years. And I think uh, that's, yeah, especially when you compare them to last year when they were just awful defensively, particularly in the second half of games. Um, they, uh, that might be enough to get them enough wins to to get them in. As far as who's taking the, the last shot, though, uh, I mean, I, I I think it's 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 Doug McDaniel's team. Um, you know, he, he really kind of took the reins, stepped into a leadership role last year. I think it, it, it it's going to be his team. I think him along with um, Derek Simpson, who I just talked about, I, I I'm kind of circling him as a guy to potentially take a big uh, leap as a sophomore. Uh, but I, I think also, you know, Terry Street, I know Michigan lost, you know, Hunter Dickinson, who was a, you know, the number one ranked transfer in the country, I believe this year. Uh, Terry Street isn't going to score as much as Hunter Dickinson did, but he's a substantially better defender. Um, and so I think when you put the, all those pieces together, they're not going to need to do as much offensively to, 
to win games. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't think this team has anywhere near a shot to contend for like a double buy in the conference, like maybe some of the other teams that we're going to talk about in the next couple of slots here. But I think, I think they're going to be in the mix for a tournament bid um, and, and solidly. And if it goes better than, than planned. Yeah, I, I I definitely hear your point on the improved defense, and that's going to be big. I think, especially as you noted, the considering the struggles last year. I um, you know, I think I think this is an important year for Jawan Howard in his tenure at at Michigan. You know, kind of just given how the last couple of years have ended. Um, and it, I guess more particularly last year than anything. But um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting year, and I think like getting getting guys of that caliber, as you mentioned, with with the, the Ten, you know, SEC transfers as opposed to you know CUSA transfers or anything like that is is definitely a, a big step up in terms of of caliber of just talent to have around. So yeah, I think I think there's definitely a world where yeah they're you know Michigan's solidly in the tournament. Um, I think their variety of outcomes is relatively wide compared to I think a number of other teams in this conference. Um, and our last team of this first half preview uh, coming in at. Number eight in the highly scientific poll is the Indiana Hoosiers. And uh, when you talk about, I think, varied outcomes and potential outcomes for them, it's, you know, maybe the widest in the conference um, just because of the talent that they lost, but the talent that they're bringing in. So, you know, you obviously lose stalwarts of the program uh, like Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. Uh, Jalen Huchifino is kind of always going to be a one-and-done guy. Miller Cop's gone. Tamar Bates is gone. Jordan Geronimo's gone. And then you kind of start looking at it, and you realize that, I mean, this 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 team's depth could is taking a huge hit, but it's taking a huge hit at the guard spots um, where they've kind of brought in all of these wings and all of these big men, which is huge, but – you know, Xavier Johnson's kind of the only guy, the only guard with significant experience returning. I mean, Trey Galloway's in there too, but um, I think he's he's more just kind of there in in my in my opinion. No no offense to Trey Galloway, um, but you know, he's his stats have been kind of pedestrian. Uh, Xavier Johnson was hurt essentially all of last year and kind of had only started clicking for the first time in his Indiana tenure at the beginning of last year. So I guess like you, but you bring in. A top 10 freshman in Mackenzie McBacco, uh, who was a decommit from Duke, and he's obviously crazy talented. You've got Kalel Ware coming in from Oregon, who provides a lot of size, um, but, you know, was a five-star recruit, but didn't really perform at a high level at Oregon last year from a from a statistics standpoint. Peyton Sparks was a scorer at Ball State, and he's going to be, you know, a, there's, they're going to need him to perform well, but... Again, you're looking at when in a league where continuity and guard play are so important and they don't really have either of those, that that makes for tough sledding in this conference. Not going to disagree with you. Uh, that being said, I think having the ability to, you know, bring a guy like Xavier Johnson back, who's been around the program, kind of a veteran of such with the program, even though he had a really, really tough injury um, last year. I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, you have a guy that you can trust to bring all these you know, pieces in the locker room together. And I think just, you know, now that we have a better understanding of the values that, you know, Mike Woodson preaches with this program and, um, you know, I think just like relative to how scattered it was with some of the previous Indiana coaches, I think I have a lot more trust in a lot more trust in, in him to kind of keep the program together and um, don't see a high likelihood that, that things um, fall off the rails here. 
Um, and to me, it's just going to be about harnessing the the talent. I, I think if um, if they can put the pieces together and you know let um, let Mbako run wild, you know let Khalil Ware be sort of a you know the the stalwart on defense and you know kind of a a, a running athletic big man that he is, you know they, I think I think there's there's a there's a ton of promise here. You know, yeah, where's their three point shooting going to come from? Huge question. You know, can some of the role players that are um, rolling over and stepping up from you can because of the role players that are rolling over from last year's team step into elevated roles and be relied on for production you know very fair question but you know there's there's enough pieces here to make me think that you know Mike Woodson will figure it out and that they'll be in the mix for a, a tournament bid and if they can unleash the talent you know even uh, even you know contend for I mean, not the conference title but you know be in the mix as a uh for a, for a double buyer, you know, win 12 to 14 conference games. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw last year that, that Woodson, you know, kind of despite have, coming from the NBA and, and kind of, you know, all this stuff, like he does really hang his hat on defense. And I think we've seen that over his, his tenure and this team is going to be long and athletic. They're going to, they're, they're going to give teams a lot of trouble on the defensive end. And, um, you know, I think if they get enough, enough from their young guys to kind of supplement, the the more established guys like your Xavier Johnsons, um, I think that he I think that this team can do pretty well. But I think like I don't know, I, I'm not seeing another. I mean, I guess if the conference only takes 12 wins to come in second, then that's entirely that's entirely possible. But um, I think I think it's going to take a good coaching job to really get all of this talent to kind of come together and work together. And so we have reached the the end of our first half preview. So thank you for sticking with us. We're really looking forward to this year. Um, as mentioned earlier, the second half will be out next Monday, the 23rd. Nope. Yes. No, 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 no. Next Monday, the 30th. Sorry, got my dates confused. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to you know spending the rest of the season with all of our listeners. So if you've got any questions, you don't like something we said, uh, send us an email, big10hoopsweekly at gmail.com, and uh, we will see you next time.